Hmm, that's weird. That's weird. Kind of weary me out. You are a sad, strange little man. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's just crazy. Isn't that weird? That's weird, man. It's strange. What's up, campers? Welcome back to episode 66 of Camp Strange. I am your camp counselor, Alex Tobin. And I'm the other camp counselor, David Stokes. And we're back to bring the spooky, wild, weird, wacky, strange, and western... Western, yeah. Bacon cheeseburger. I had one yesterday, yeah. <laughs> put some onion rings on there, and now it's, now it's from Texas. So I was just doing the math. Um, Quick maths. What? What math were you doing over there? That our 69th episode... We'll land on Friday the 13th of no. December. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. The countdown begins. Oh, no. Yeah. It's lucky 69. Look at that. Or unlucky 69. Or unlucky, depending how you want to interpret this. Depends on what position you're in there. <laughs> For the six or the nine? <laughs> Pretty equal. Um, but before we get into our longer stories that we have for you today, we like to keep you up on the weird, strange news mm-hmm. that inhabits this planet. And, uh, David, you want to go first? You want me to go first? I would love to go first. Okay, you go first. Um, so, as Epstein died. Oh, yes, he did die. The guards allegedly shopped online and slept. Oh, they shopped online? And slept. Isn't okay. that just convenient? So, I know there was a big controversy uh, recently mm-hmm. with they were filling out the logs and saying that they checked on them for every 30 minutes, and then they just found out that they falsified those records and oh. that they did not check up on them, which only the Epstein mm. didn't kill himself. It only perpetuates that uh, that rumor or um, which I, conspiracy theory, which may be true. I wouldn't call it fucking conspiracy. It's, it's honestly, it, it feels more and more true now that this is happening. It never, it hasn't felt more and more truth than the day it happened because <laughs> okay. that he did not kill himself. Okay. I mean, well, I was talking to somebody at work about this and I was, cause this is work talk. You of know? course. <laughs> but I was like, honestly, they had him on like suicide watch. And I was like, if you wanted to kill somebody, you would definitely like, throw them in suicide watch he's like i'm not suicidal and they're like we're throwing you in there because we're gonna kill you in, in yeah a week or a he day. was about to just tear our entire government down and and they they killed him they jeffrey epstein did not kill himself just putting that out there i think we're gonna get <laughs> shot right now maybe David, so they're gonna come in. David, you're on a suicide watch yeah now. you guys are both on suicide watch wait so they what were they shopping for though that's the <laughs> thick rope. <laughs> Poison. You got any? You got, no, but you got to use silk rope. Silk? Oh, wait, no, silk. No, wait, he hanged himself. Allegedly. Gun that makes it look like you hanged yourself. <laughs> That's in their Amazon history. Yeah. So, and they slept. Well, those guys are fucked. Those guys are going to prison. And oh, they won't. You don't think so? No. They're not going to be punished. I mean, they're going to lose their jobs for sure. No, they're not. Okay. <laughs> Yes, David. They're gonna okay. be. They're going straight into politics. Okay, <laughs> you're freaking me out right now. <laughs> okay, let's get into this new next news story. As Kentucky man married his daughter after they killed her Minnesota boyfriend. Okay, so that's a lot to unpack. But um, th- this guy, he, um, his daughter was. Uh, he's 55 year old Larry McClure. 
and uh, he come on now, Larry. <laughs> come on, Larry. Why'd you do that? But um, he ended up killing. Um, I guess he had an incestuous relationship with his daughter, who mm-hmm. already had a boyfriend. Of uh, his name was John McGuire, and he was thirty-eight. And apparently, it was the daughter's idea, and they went over and across state lines, and they they found him. And uh, how do you think? How do you think they got him? How do you think they killed him? It was really interesting that they they sh- oh, where'd it go? Um, it's really interesting how they. Oh, here it is. Um, what do you think? How do you think they did him in? I know exact. Rope? I know exactly how they did it. Oh, close to rope. Close. They tied his shoelaces together. Oh. It was just supposed to be a fun little prank to scare him away. And they put him in a room full of mouse traps. One too many mouse traps. They got him. So they actually um, hit him in the head with a wine bottle. Okay. Tied him up. Was then, it full or empty? I'm guessing full. Yeah. You want a little umph behind it. Yeah. Tied him up, and then they injected him with meth, and then strangled him. So do you think that they were trying to, like, overdose him and it didn't work? Or do you think they were, like... Yeah, they probably tried to make it look like he overdosed. Yeah, that's Was what he thinking. a meth user? I mean... I don't know. They're in Kentucky. <laughs> Is... <laughs> okay. Anybody from... I'm just trying to pinpoint this. Where's Where, where do they use meth a lot? I don't Everywhere. know. Everywhere. It's true. But, um, yeah, I don't know if he was a meth user. I'm guessing that maybe... Or maybe they were just sending him out with a bang, and they're like, "They oh. just had some meth laying around." They're like, "Let's just use this." Well, I think there's also if you're on meth, it's probably easier to strangle you because you get all like, I don't know what meth does. You why? No, 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 no. If he's on heroin, he'd be easy to strangle. Oh, that's what if I'm he's thinking. on meth, he's gonna be like ripping the space time continuum. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be opening portals with his swings. Meth guy killed Jeffrey Epstein. Did he just let meth guy in the in the he, room with him? <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey's like, I'm sorry, man. All they could say was a bear was let loose. He, they told me you have a cheeseburger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a western bacon cheese. A triple stack western it all bacon cheese. Full circle. Anyway, um, western bacon cheese. I like that. Uh, that tenacious D reference. Right oh there. yeah. Um, what's your next next? <laughs> This is this this one this is, is so stupid. This one might be one of the best of all time. Oh, okay. Uh Julia Roberts was quote first choice oh. to play Harriet Tubman. Okay. We talked about this in the office today too. That is no, that is too stupid to be real. Yeah, it has to be. No, it's too stupid, right? You would think so. It's almost like a rumor that people are like, I want to see how far this can go because everybody knows who Harriet Tubman is. Yes. And if you don't, um, I don't know, read a book. And everybody knows who Julia Roberts is, right? Yeah. She played a prostitute. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But, like, that that guy must have not read the Harriet script at all. Because I heard one thing, especially with, like, the, um, with the, the new steps they're taking to put people of color in, like, the actual movies that represent people of color, that I heard that this movie was maybe written or try in the process of being made like years ago and maybe in like the 80s they were like yeah let's put julia roberts in there because she's hot right now yeah but even then imagine julia roberts like running onto a plantation and be like everybody come with me we gotta get out of here and then the guy catches them and is like 
Yeah, you're it, a slave. The movie came out in 1994. Unless they're gonna put her in blackface, which is a bit would have been horrible to begin with. Her career would have been done. Yeah, I don't think she would have even said yes. Like, what is the point? That it's it almost seems like a, a thing. Like, let's just see how far this can go. You I do I find mean? it fun that um the actress the actress Cynthia Erivo, who actually got the the lead role mm-hmm. as uh, Harriet Tubman, is a uh, a British woman. Oh, really? Yeah. I always find that fun when like like British people play like American heroes. See, I would I would have liked to watch the movie first, then found that out and been like, Whoa Wait, that was Julia Roberts. First time I saw Daniel Craig was in a movie called The Jacket and he played a crazy guy and Mm -hmm. then I found out that he was James Bond and I was Mm -hmm. like, Oh fuck, that guy's not American. That's crazy. Because... The American accents from, to think from of another... England are really good, but I feel like the... Oh, the main character from The Walking Dead. Oh, Andrew Lincoln. Yeah, the guy that plays... He uh, was in... Or played... He was in that rom-com. Yeah. Ah, fuck. I don't Who know. Knows? Like, simply... Simply love. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> He's holding up the sign that says, like, will you simply love me? Exactly. Say so simply love. <laughs> But yeah, no, he's one of those guys that like when you when you watch that show, you're like, that guy's got to be from like Tennessee or something. Yeah, but no, he's, he's Coral. a Br- I guess we do have like the easiest accent to imitate that people probably he probably grew up making fun of us Yankees. Yeah, yeah. for for sure. Yeah. Remember when he held the sign up in the movie that says, "I'm on meth. Where's your cheeseburgers?" I do remember that. And one. then she started running. He was a scratching everything. And then it became 28 days later. And then it turned into The Walking Dead. <laughs> And then okay. he lost his hand. Did it, did it ever cut his hand off in that show? Because I think he's dead now, isn't he? <laughs> I can't give away all that. No. Uh, I don't want to do any spoilers. But did they cut his hand off in the show? Because Not... they cut his hand off pretty early in the books. Yeah, okay, you're just going to do the spoilers. Yeah, they cut his hand off in the Okay, in the who comics. gives a shit? He cut his hand off. And, okay. And then they didn't do it in the um, they didn't do it in the show because they said it would be too difficult, I think. They but, still shot Carl. But they cut off Merle's hand. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't care anymore. <laughs> the Walking Dead, actually, the comics just finished. Uh, I just read the last one. How did it end? I don't want to tell you. <laughs> you can tell me after. No. Um, and let me just tell you this last uh, Once they story. killed, uh, <laughs> what's his face? I stopped reading. Anyways, turn off your God. phone. Um, so, murderer who briefly died in hospital goes to court to claim he served his life sentence. <laughs> I saw that. And, like, is he wrong? I mean, so... This guy named Benjamin Schreiber, 66, was convicted of beating a man to death in 1997, which is, like, a really bad one. Like, beating someone to death is, like... Yeah, that's that's on the, the high end of the list. That's worse than tearing them apart for a cheeseburger. Beating know? someone to death is worse than shooting someone. Yeah, it's more intimate, you yeah. know. Um, because he could have stopped, and it also shows like rage, and you like used your hands. That means like you. you it had, wasn't a one single motion. You were there for a while. Pummeled him. Yeah. So um, apparently his heart stopped five times in the hospital in March of 2015. Oh, so he's he's served five life sentences. Apparently, <laughs> by but, his math. But he did. He had a do not resuscitate, which is kind of weird. Um, well, that's malpractice. 
I yeah, I don't really know like uh, why they even brought him back. But they're they, like, this guy deserves a second chance. Well, like he was in the hospital, and then like they told this is a very confusing article. But they they called his brother, and his brother's like he's like he's in pain, and he's like oh give him whatever for the pain. So like they got like we'll just bring him back to life. If your brother, <laughs> if your if your brother, he's so in pain that he's dead. Yeah. Um, but if your brother or somebody like a loved one says like bring him back to life, does that completely negate your do not resuscitate? No, I don't believe so. Unless I believe that there's like one name you can have on like your listing for that, but mm. I don't. I think if you say do not resuscitate, I don't think anything can overrule that because mm. that's your own personal choice. Yeah, I don't know, but he he argued that he was sentenced to life, not to life plus one day after the day he had the heart attack or mm-hmm. whatever, just died. And the court was like, uh, no, that's not because the court said in their final statement, Schreiber is either alive, in which case he must remain in prison, or he is dead, in which case this appeal is moot. So there's like, there you, f- go. you beat a man to death. Sorry, dude, just because you're also ill all the time doesn't mean that you get out of this yeah but it is a cool little like let me try this Mm -hmm. let me try to blow the baseball to foul you know remember that remember that thing it was back in like the 70s a ball was rolling up the third baseline and the pitcher ran over and blew it foul he was like see i don't i don't i I don't know these i don't know these baseball things i'm from oregon where we don't play baseball it rains too much you guys don't i also heard today that some guy on acid threw a perfect game and i thought that was pretty cool oh pittsburgh yeah 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 i forget his name but um but the guy blew the the ball foul and then they're like i guess it's foul and like the next day they're like that can't happen again yeah so that Let's guy tried one to pull, time. pull a, a baseball blow foul, but that boy's got some strong lungs. <laughs> <laughs> he does. I anyway. feel like that's like I don't think physically you could do that. Baseballs were lighter back then. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't know. Breath was plentiful. It must have hit baseballs a Baseballs were lighter. You know yeah. how it works. No, it was still rolling. Go Astros, that's, right? That's why he was able to do it. I think it was like still kind of rolling. It wasn't like a dead ball, but I don't know. Yeah. We there's footage you can there find. There is it. footage you can find it. Anyway, we're uh, we're caught up on the news. I think. Uh, uh, I have one more. Okay, what is it? New Idris Alba wasp species could protect <laughs> global broccoli crops. <laughs> Idris Elba wasp and the, species. The, the the thumbnail is just Idris with two thumbs up smiling. Did he like broccoli. Well, so I guess um, some scientists found a new species of wasps and decided to name them after Idris Elba. Is that because is that he's because, the most handsome man alive? Possibly. Well, also, because his name kind of sounds like a species. It sounds like a it little does. bit Latin, like Idris Elba. It does for because sure. Because if you're gonna be like real about it, you should have named it like Evangeline Lilly because like she is the wasp. Now. I don't know when they named the damn bug. Well, Idris Elba hasn't been famous for that long. He was Charles Minor in The Office, and I didn't know who Idris Elba was. What? He was in The Wire. Oh, that's true. He was. I didn't watch The Wire. Yeah. Fuck. I'm a has-been. But basically, there is a um, some nasty little critter who's beating up all the broccoli crops. Oh, that, that meth mouse? Oh, that little meth mouse. He's been eating up all them broccoli crops. Eating a little cheeseburger, but I'll settle for some broccoli. But long story short, this wasp has been eating those nasty little bugs who have been killing all of our broccoli. Oh. And, uh, yes, and I guess it was the global broccoli crops. <laughs> you know where those are. It's like it's like the tree in Avatar, but it's just a big broccoli. It's just one big old broccoli. Oh, 
Oh, that's amazing. They call it the Brock. Well, it's actually really interesting, too, because... Dwayne the Brock Johnson. (laughs) Idris Elba actually eats a lot of bugs. That's what they... (laughs) I think he eats a lot of broccoli, but boy, you went with another BR word. No. (laughs) Brugs. So you guys, broccoli brug, brugs are eating broccoli, guys. <laughs> My name's Broccoli Brugs, and I'm the best damn pitcher you've ever seen. <laughs> I'm the best wrestler in all this county. <laughs> broccoli Brugs. Fuck. Okay. Should we end the fuck? You guys are listening to this. What are I, you doing? We're now writing for uh, Dr. Steve Brule. <laughs> broccoli Brugs. Oh, sweet berry wine. Okay. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, you guys like coffee? We do. <laughs> you guys like coffee? Brewed coffee? We can start adding R's into every word. Yeah, for sure. But if you guys like coffee, go check out Spring Hill Jack. They got good coffee. It's fun. It's delicious. It's brown. It's for you. It's for me. It's for broccoli. And it's for Idris. It is for Idris. How do you think Idris eats all those bugs so fast? <laughs> coffee tell you what it's not because he's handsome it's because the coffee that's the bugs make him handsome but that's the coffee true. makes him fast yeah <laughs> put it on a shirt <laughs> that better be on his wikipedia page I'm gonna this is, the bugs made me handsome but the coffee made me fast <laughs> oh, oh my man. god Okay, we're done. Yeah. SpringHillJack.coffee. Go check them out. They got... Should I play the outro? <laughs> <laughs> they got good coffee, so go check them out. Okay, uh, now we should get into these stories that we got. Mm-hmm. Now, David, growing up in the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. did you ever explore the vast Oregon woods looking for little critters like brugs, secret hideouts, or just adventure in general? I grew up in the woods. What do you mean? Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're making a joke or not. No, like uh, when I grew up, my family's house was like the only house for maybe like a mile into the woods. Oh, really? Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I spent a lot of times in the woods, a lot of time in the woods eating bugs. <laughs> it explains a lot. Yeah, and I I didn't like electricity much. The shadows were my friends. So, well, David. If you were a better explorer, then you wouldn't be talking to me right now. You would be lounging on your yacht, drinking bang energy drinks, and eating a salami stick. I say Can this. Can we get an angry whopper in there? <laughs> okay, you get an angry whopper. I say this because some believe that in those dense woods lies a treasure. A treasure not as old as most treasure, but a modern day treasure. A treasure, how many times am I going to say treasure? Not enough. A treasure that is still yet to be found, and most importantly, a treasure that has a complicated and mysterious story behind it. Oh, now I know what we're talking about. This is the story of D.B. Cooper and his long-lost treasure. I finally get to tell this story. Yeah, I fucked up. I thought you already told it, so that's why I did last week's. This was our first episode ever, and we ended up nixing the episode because we didn't like it. It was bad. And uh, I redid my first story. What was your first story again? It was the uh, the cult in the canyon. Oh, that's right. Uh, to uh, Bull Bull Canyon. Bull turn. I don't know how you. I don't remember this shit, and I wrote it and told it twice. <laughs> Bull turn. I need to like see a doctor. <laughs> 
don't remember anything. But I finally get to tell the the DB Cooper story, and DB Cooper is one of the most like legendary like heist story type weird things going on and if you don't know who he is read a book <laughs> about you're... harriet tubman and then db cooper <laughs> and they team up and they go through time and space and they find uh julia roberts yeah and and they steal her treasure <laughs> they steal her treasure those diamonds and pretty woman so um no them pearls let's get let's get into the story so this is actually a very topical story because mm. on the night of Thanksgiving Eve, Ooh. November 24th, 1971, a middle-aged man carrying a black briefcase approached the flight counter of Northwest Orient Airlines at Portland International Airport. He identified himself as Dan Cooper and used cash to purchase a one-way ticket on flight 305, a 30-minute trip north to Seattle. So first off, November twenty fourth. That's uh, that's Katie's birthday. Who's Katie? My girlfriend. We um, get it. Anyway, and also, did you see the name that he gave? Dan. Dan Cooper. So is that what is the D Dan? Is the B? We'll actually get into the, why they call him DB Cooper later right. on in the story, but it is very interesting. So also, Northwest Orient Airlines doesn't exist anymore. It's actually Delta now. They I was going to say, out. did it change into something? Yeah, they got bought out, and and then they got bought out again. I don't know what's going on, but like, I don't know airline politics, you guys. That's not why I'm here, but I do know DB Cooper. So you do? As he go- <laughs> you can make a lot of money if you know who that is. <laughs> so as he got on the Boeing 727, he walked to the rear of the plane, taking his seat and ordering a bourbon and soda while lighting a cigarette. Man, those are the good old days when you could smoke, smoke it, it up planes. in a cabin. Yikes. Oh my god. I mean, imagine like just sitting in like a like a cabin right now and like you think it's bad when like someone like is crying. A, crying. a grown man is crying. <laughs> He's like, my treasure. <laughs> DB, is that you? But, like, yeah, imagine, like, a whole thing full of cigarette smoke. Be like, oh, I can't get the fuck out of here. And you have, my, like, the worst headache ever. My Uber over here reeked of cigarettes, and that was bad enough in the 10-minute Uber I took here. Yeah, it's it's not good. I get a really bad headache. So, just in case, I mean, <clears throat> oops, what I would say just in case, just to get the image of how cool he looked. Just in case you want to get the image. Oh, I fucked that up. Yeah, oh, I, but oh wait, no, no, I wrote that. I right. read a lot of typos. <laughs> so, I wrote this uh, over a year ago. <laughs> um, I read this, and I guess I didn't catch most of this. But I uh, just just to get how cool of an image he looked, the fellow passenger described him as a man in his mid forties, about six feet tall, wearing a black lightweight raincoat, loafers, a dark suit, a neatly pressed white collared shirt a black tie, and a mother-of-pearl tie pin. So he's just looking like a fucking men in black, basically. That's nice. But it's crazy because, as we know... That's one thing I don't get now. You know, people just don't get dressed up to commit crimes anymore. (laughs) I was going to say, people used to dress up to take flights. Yeah. That was like a thing. Oh, no, people would put on their best, like their Sunday best. Yeah, I don't know why, because you're just sitting. But, like, maybe it was, like, more of an event because... Planes were invented in 1970, and this was 1971. Yeah. So this is all new. Uh, yeah. It's, planes were invented. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to correct me, but you didn't pick it up. So. I caught a little bit. No one too. No one too slow. Okay. So, so this flight, flight 305, was actually a flight from 
Washington, D.C. to Seattle, but it actually had previous stops in Minneapolis, Great Falls, Missoula, Spokane, and Portland. Spokane? Spokane. I'm sorry. Spokane. There's an E at the end. Spokompton. That place sucks. (laughs) I don't know what that is. So, um, like I said, it had all these stops um, and Portland. So this was the plane's final stop as it headed to Seattle. So it was going from Portland to Seattle after hitting all those spots. So the gas was not that plentiful in the plane. You know, they didn't fuel up at at all times. So I just realized I'm going to take that. Spokane doesn't suck. I don't want people to give us a one-star review because that one time that guy was like, you made fun of Chance the Rapper. I'm changing my review. Oh, uh, yeah. That's Spokane's right. great. I love Hoopfest. <laughs> Hoopfest is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> we do like Chance the Rapper. Yeah. We just didn't like his last album. So. <laughs> I never even listened hot to it. Hot water, hot shower, hot biscuits. Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> you hear that song, it's bad. I don't want to. So... When the plane left Portland, it was approximately one-third full and on schedule. Shortly after takeoff, Cooper handed a note to Florence Schaffner, the flight attendant. You know when you're allowed to pass notes? Like Mm -hmm. in the 70s before it was horribly scary to get a stranger handing you a note yeah that's the, that's the scariest thing you do yeah <laughs> well, if somebody well now hit, i kind of want to start doing it somebody, it is kind of scary that's so, better than air dropping weird pictures to people that's what i do on planes now. you do that so i got a whole folder full of them <laughs> so thinking he was just like another horny businessman and yes we're bringing up the h i wrote horny businessman before horny became such a big part of this podcast yeah and I'm horny for it. And DB's horny. So she thought he was just like another horny businessman just being like, okay, yeah. She shoved it in. She shoved the note in her pocket carelessly without opening it. She's just like, I don't fucking want to read this. I'm working. And uh, Cooper then leaned toward her and whispered, Miss, you'd better look at this note. I have a bomb. Which is the best thing to whisper to a woman who spurns your advances, you know? I mean, the delivery is everything. You do that in a playful delivery. Oh, giggle. Oh. I look at the note and he goes, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> I'm going to wear your skin around my house. Be like, oh. Be like, Can I wear your skin around the house? Check yes, no, or maybe. Yeah, but the no is already scratched out. <laughs> the no and the maybe's uh, skull. Yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> so Cooper then requested that Schaefner take a seat beside him. She, of course, cooperated and sat down. Cooper opened his briefcase long enough for her to glimpse uh, eight red cylinders, four on top and four on the bottom, um, attached to wires coated with red insulation and a large uh, cylindrical battery. After closing the briefcase, he stated his demands. $200,000 in negotiable American currency, which is about $1 million in today's currency. He also wanted four parachutes, two primary and two reserve, and a fuel truck standing by in Seattle to refuel the aircraft upon arrival in order to complete his getaway to Mexico City, Mexico. Schaefner conveyed Wait, no cheeseburgers? He didn't <laughs> he did not want cheeseburgers. Okay. See, this guy this was a he's wearing a suit. Okay. He's not asking for cheeseburgers. If anything, he's going to get a full. He actually did also request when they landed that they bring food for the crew that stayed on with him. Oh, that's nice. He's a nice guy. Yeah. He's a businessman. He knows business. What a gentleman. What a scholar. So um, Schaefer then conveyed Cooper's instructions to the pilots in the cockpit 
And when she returned, Cooper was wearing dark sunglasses. Fuck yeah. He's just like, fuck, I wasn't cool enough. Like, I was smoking a cigarette, but I didn't have my glasses on. Oh, she didn't like my brown eyes. I'm gonna hide those. She didn't even, like, say anything about my bomb. I made this myself. She acts like she's seen bigger and better bombs. <laughs> so, but, um... But he was, like, he seemed like he had, like, a very, unlike your guy we talked about last mm-hmm. episode, he seemed like he had a very thought-out plan. Like, yeah. he knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew exactly what he wanted. And there was no, like, you know. Hesitation. Yeah, no, like, whims on this. So, uh, basically, what ended up happening was that the pilot, in order to not cause chaos uh, within the cabin amongst the 36 other passengers, said that due to minor mechanical difficulties, the arrival t- to Seattle would be delayed. In re- oh, I'm going to throw up. In reality, <laughs> in reality, what was happening was Northwest Orient's president, Donald Nyrop, was authorizing payment of the ransom and was ordering all employees to cooperate fully with the hijackers' demands. The plane circled Puget Sound for approximately two hours, allowing Seattle police and the FBI sufficient time to assemble Cooper's parachutes and ransom money and to mobilize emergency personnel. So it's crazy to think that he's like, I want $200,000. And the president of the plane was like, I have to pay him. Yeah. Like, I don't know why it fell on him. Yeah. I mean, who does that fall on? The government? I don't know. The taxpayers? God damn it. I mean, <laughs> most of the time you're like... What, you want an art, an art fee and now I have to do a D.B. Cooper fee? <laughs> you know what? It's kind of interesting because most of the time when people are like ransom, like they're like, I want like a million dollars. And they usually do it at like a bank. So mm-hmm. I guess it would fall on like the place you're at because the negotiator is like, I have a megaphone. Yeah. That's about it. And three bucks in my pocket. And also my wife and a doesn't brugs. love me. I got a brug that's <laughs> been in my hair for a week. I can't catch it. <laughs> the guy's like, take a shower. And there's, he has like a gun to someone's head. And he goes like, I tried that. Now they're talking shower technique. I keep so. trying to catch this brug in my hair with some French fries. <laughs> okay, my next negotiation, I want this guy to get some nice louse medicine. Louse? <laughs> it's the plural of lice. Is it? I don't know. No, I think so. I think Laos is just lice. <laughs> I think Laos is a country in Asia. Yeah, Laos is something, <laughs> but it definitely ain't that. I think it's a capital. Oh my god, I'm so stupid. Please disregard this. We all we all know we're both very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but we got brugs. So at 5:24 p.m., Cooper was informed that his demands have been met. And at 5:39 p.m., the aircraft landed at Seattle Tacoma Airport. It was more than an hour after sunset, and Cooper instructed pilot William Scott to taxi the jet to an isolated, brightly lit section of the tarmac and close each window shade in the cabin to deter police snipers, which is actually a really smart idea because that's yeah. the first thing that I was thinking is like, I'm just going to wait for him to walk by, snipe him right through that window. Yeah. But you also have to be a really good sniper because I'm, just, I'm, more, I'm more curious on how effective like a like a, a round through those wind like the windows would be cuz they're they're There's designed double, to hold in like you know like double paned because they're yeah. they have to keep they've like, got to be strong to keep the fucking pressure of the cabin i guess you're right but like i'm sure know. i'm sure a bolt could pierce it i'm just curious to see like how well that would go down the, the, that should be a mythbusters 
They should have like a DB Cooper. Oh, they might have had a DB Cooper episode, honestly. Well, I think they did, but I don't think they tested shooting a sniper rifle through <laughs> through the window. It was more of the jumping. They don't want to give anybody. I mean, they don't want to give anybody ideas. <laughs> We're gonna see if you can shoot through the president's car. And yeah, you're let's, like, let's, what? Let's perf- yeah. They're like, yeah, you know what? If the bullet can pass through that <laughs> that glass box that the Pope travels in, then it should be fine with the plane. So let's see what caliber is going to pierce that that bulletproof casing for the Pope. They're just like practicing assassination in terms of <laughs> predominant figures in society. Yeah. And be like, you could definitely do this, guys. And then the Pope's people are like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> oh, God. So... Uh, Northwest Orient Seattle's uh, Northwest Orient Seattle's operation manager Al Lee approached the aircraft in street clothes to avoid the possibility that Cooper might mistake the airline uniform for that of a police officer. He delivered the cash-filled knapsack and parachutes to flight attendant Tina Mucklow via the stairs. Once the delivery was completed, Cooper ordered all passengers, flight attendant Florence Schaefner, who he originally showed his bomb to, mm-hmm. look at my bomb, look at it, <laughs> so, maybe uh, touch it, I don't know. <laughs> so all passengers, flight attendant Florence Schaefner, and senior flight attendant Alice Hancock to leave the plane. Also, the parachutes they gave him were military grade, but he changed his mind at the last second and instead demanded civilian parachutes with manually operated ripcords. So Seattle police had to obtain them from a local skydiving school because I think he thought they tampered with them, which they they kind of fucking did because I read that apparently – they thought that he was originally a very good like skydiver and like a very experienced one. Yeah. But they said that one of the backup shoots was just forks and spoons, like in the cartoons. <laughs> it's a, it was an anvil in there. Yeah. No. Um. They said that it was like sewn in a weird way, where it was like, like almost like a prop backpack or something like that, like okay. a, like a test backpack. And they said that he didn't even check. They he, he just got like lucky and chose like these two specific ones and they're like a, a experienced skydiver would have checked that for sure yeah so they're like maybe he was not like completely uh competent like we thought he was you know yeah. what i mean so but he did know a lot about planes and stuff as we're about to find out well he had one of the little, little model ones they give to the kids <laughs> he's like where's where are all the snacks on the plane? And they're like, this guy's good. <laughs> this one's got four jets on. I was faster than the one with two. <laughs> He's like, I can put this one in my pocket. So um, where was I? Oh, yeah. So during refueling, Cooper outlined his flight plan to the cockpit crew. Um, a southeast course towards, like I said, Mexico City. But he wanted to go at the minimum airspeed possible without stalling the aircraft. Like I said, he knows a little bit about planes, okay. which meant 115 miles per hour at 10,000 feet altitude. A typical airplane travels between 450 to 600 miles per hour at an altitude between 31 to 38,000 feet. So he's basically going one-third of the altitude and one-third of the speed. That probably fucked with all of the planes. They probably uh, had to land a lot of them because that—I mean, like planes can go faster than they do when they're they're flying like commercial airlines and shit like that. They all go a certain speed to to match like the 
the traffic. Air yeah, traffic. yeah. So it's not like nobody's like, oh, somebody's already on that course or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I bet they shut down every airport at this time. Oh, yeah. In the Pacific Northwest, at least. Yeah. I mean, because we're going to find out what they're about to do. So yeah. the pilots also expressed the problem that their fuel supply would not get them all the way to Mexico City. So they agreed that an addition additional stop in Reno would be added in order to refuel once again. And I think that was like their like, okay, we're gonna catch him in Reno. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if we if he goes to Mexico City, we're fucked. But like everybody gets caught in Reno. Yeah. <laughs> what happens in Reno gets caught. Gets caught. You didn't know that? Shouldn't have came to Reno. Yeah. Sorry. Hey Vegas, we're poorer Vegas. Yeah, we're little Vegas. We got a we got a slot machine and a Burger King bathroom. I went to Reno, and Reno's weird. Yeah, Reno's there. Are, I mean, obviously Vegas has like slot machines everywhere, but like Reno is like everywhere. Just please put a quarter in. Yeah, there's like a payphone with like a slot machine on the back of it. Yeah, like, who's going to this one? So um, they couldn't get all the way to Mexico City, so the additional stop in Reno would be added to refuel. Cooper's. Cooper further specified that the landing gear remained deployed in the takeoff and landing position. Um, the wings flapped. Uh, the wing the wing flaps be lowered to 15 degrees, and the cabin remained unpressurized. He like demanded all this shit, and I don't really get why he wanted the landing gear out. Maybe that just created more. Um, oh, like, it slows it down for sure. Exactly. So yeah. I think that's why he wanted it. And then he's like, lower the wings 15 degrees, which is like, oh, this guy definitely knows how like planes are. He operated. had to have been a pilot or like someone in the military. Exactly. Yeah. It seems like it. Um, as they were about to take off, Cooper instructed the pilot to take off with the back staircase extended as well. But when the pilot refused, saying it was unsafe, Cooper said it was non-negotiable, and that the pilot did not. If the pilot did close it up, that Cooper would open it right back up. Uh, and uh, when they got up in the air, so they just left it open while they were taking off and shit like that. So, which is like super fucking dangerous, you know. Obviously, there's like stairs hanging out to nothing, <laughs> you know. I feel like he worked in, like, the baggage claim, but he knew everything about planes. And they were like, oh, yeah, we'll let you fly one one day. He's like, you fuckers, I'll get, I'll get my revenge. You'll what see. If, what if he just, like, had the staircase open to, like, nothing, and then all of a sudden he just pulled out, like, of his fucking briefcase, just, like, a shit ton of slinkies, and he's like, almost, you know, all these fall. You're like, is this a slinky experiment? He's like, yeah, why do you think I brought a bomb? I need to get this done. I'm from the I'm from the big wigs. I'm from Big Out Slinky. Hasbro. <laughs> big, I'm I'm from Big Slinky. It's either this or I put them on my forearms and pretend I'm a fucking robot. <laughs> You've done that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So Boeing 727, the Boeing 727 took off with only five people on board: DB Cooper, pilot William Scott, flight attendant Tina Mucklow, uh, co-pilot William Ratak. Ratakazak. William Hung? William Hung was on the plane. Uh, and flight attendant, H, uh, flight engineer, H.E. Anderson. Um, after they took off, uh, two F-106 fighter aircrafts were scrambled from McCord Air Force Base and followed behind the airliner, one above it and one below it, out of Cooper's view. So they, like I said, they probably shut down most of the other airlines because they're like, okay, we're going to get some military involved. But not the military. No, no, they were ready to go. So 
After takeoff, Cooper told Tina Mucklaw, the flight attendant, to join the rest of the crew in the cockpit and remain there with the door closed. She complied, and Mucklaw observed Cooper tying something around his waist. At approximately 8 p.m., a warning light flashed in the cockpit, indicating that the back air stair apparatus had been activated. The, crew, the crew's offer of assistance via the aircraft's intercom system was curtly refused, and the crew soon noticed a subject a subjective change of air pressure indicating that the air door was now open the air stairs were now like fully deployed i guess they were like half open and then all of a sudden they're like oh shit he fucking fully opened them because yeah. they're like there's way different pressure now so shortly after the aircraft's tail section sustained a sudden upward movement forcing the pilots to maneuver the plane back to a level position and fly the rest of the way with the back stairs still down. It's a little bit of self-made turbulence. Yeah, well, you're going to find out why all of a sudden it fell. The, 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 the plane switched in pressure. So when the plane reached Reno, they were forced to land with the uh, stairs still deployed since they were still frightened to disobey the orders of the mysterious man and his bomb. But luckily, the plane landed safely. FBI agents, state troopers, sheriff deputies, and Reno police surrounded the jet at, uh, as it had not yet been determined with certainty that Cooper was no longer aboard, but an, un, but an armed search quickly confirmed his absence. None of the planes following the Boeing 727 saw Cooper jump from the plane, though. So a lot of people were like, what happened? Because you had two pilots behind him. I know what happened. What happened? He was on meth, and he swung his arm so fast, he opened a black hole, and he jumped through it. <laughs> he opened a black hole, he reached in, he grabbed a cheeseburger. His dead corpse, along with all the money, is on Saturn. <laughs> See, that's the problem. You guys who want to open all these fucking black holes, you don't, you don't understand. You don't know where it's going. <laughs> all of them end up on Saturn. Yeah. There's a pile of dead bodies on Saturn. He's one of those. He's one of those rocks. Even he's though a frozen rock that's a part of that ring. I was gonna say Saturn's a gas planet. I'm pretty yeah. sure. So they no, just he's fall just right he, through. He, him with all the other people who jump through those black holes on meth. They're all, they're all those collective frozen rocks just circling the planet. Okay, case closed. We don't need to finish the story. Yeah, it's we, over. we just finished it, right? So, That's solved. Can we have our reward money? <laughs> Give me my treasure. So, FBI agents recovered 66 unidentified latent fingerprints aboard the airliner and Cooper's clip-on tie and two of the four parachutes he requested. Clip-on tie. I it's smart, was, though. I thought he was fancy. Well, no, it's smart, though, because if anybody tries to fight him, the first thing you're going to go for is the tie. You go for his wiener. Well, the wiener and then the tie. You I do a, a double grab. Well, that's why you do the clip-on wiener first. You do the clip-on wiener, the clip-on tie. They, they grab both. They pull. They both pop off. What are you going to do now? Because now you got a wiener in your left hand and a clip-on tie in your right See, hand. See, that's the thing. I opened a black hole behind them. So when they grab both of those, they're falling right through the black and hole. And then they're, in, they're one of the Saturn rocks. They're Saturn rock. So, oh, God, why are we doing this? So, since this wasn't much to go off of, the FBI began to interview eyewitnesses in Seattle, Portland, and Reno, which they were able to create a composite sketch out of. Honestly, he did look like a pretty normal guy, as you guys will see from the sketches. I'll, I'll post an image and stuff. But he kind of just looked like a guy in a suit with like a little bit bigger of like a forehead area, but like not really. Dummy thick forehead. <laughs> so, so, but the, oh my god, is he an alien? It's possible. Saturn. Saturn. My home. So, but the name, Look at these 
trinkets I got from Earth. <laughs> Earth. They use this material as currency. This is called a croissant. It's from French. <laughs> so, so, but Tasty the, butter. So, so, but the name Dan Cooper is not what we know today as legend. The name D.B. Cooper we know so well actually was a mistake by a news reporter. The yeah, F- Dan Cooper's lame. So, yeah, Dan Cooper's not that fun. So the FBI interviewed an Oregon man with a minor police record named Dan B. Cooper. Yeah. In in uh in the God, off- I bet his life sucked after that. <laughs> no, no, no. So they, they interviewed him in the off chance that the hijacker used his real name. Yeah. Um, and he was quickly ruled out as a suspect. But a local reporter named James Long, rushing to meet in, in uh imminent deadline, confused the uh, eliminated suspect's name with the pseudonym used by the hijacker, identifying the hijacker as D. B. Cooper. So, so that guy's like, oh shit, you guys think I did it still? Oh, I get what you mean now. Why he said like his, his life was fucked up now because they just used his real name as the hijacker. Yeah. Because they usually like for serial killers, the reason they all have three names is because if like, uh, John Gacy. Yeah. Lived in like Birmingham. You go on Instagram and type in John Gacy and just go fuck you to all of them. Exactly. That's why they'd be like John Wayne Gacy. Okay. Now, yeah, that's more a little bit more specific. But they just gave this guy's middle initial too. So he's like, but like, it's kind of like the coolest crime, not like a gross crime. He's just like, yeah, I stole money and jumped out of an airplane. Yeah, it is pretty cool. They're like, DB, I get you a free beer, and he's like, I like cheeseburger, and they're like, oh, get out, get him out of here. He's on meth. So the search area for Cooper was extremely hard to determine as well. They are able to tell that uh, what time he jumped, which was 8.13 p.m., due to the reaction of throwing a 200-pound dummy out of the plane and obtaining the same upward motion of the tail end of the plane, uh, which the flight crew described during the initial flight. Yeah. But due to the fluctuating low speed and altitude of the plane, as well as the fact that they are flying off course from a normal planned route, it was extremely difficult to figure out the proper search area to look for Cooper's landing zone. Another factor was... Man, he landed in a volcano. He <laughs> just burnt All up. He's just a money. bunch of little bits. All that, All that money. Just a... He's a big pile of flame now. That's good tinder, though. He's like golem with that damn ring. Yeah, I'm a magma monster. His greed. So another factor was when Cooper opened his parachute uh, during freefall, which could greatly change the landing zone, but neither of the Air Force uh, fighter pilots ever saw anything exit the airliner, either visually or on radar, nor did they see a parachute open at all. Oh, he was on all black, baby. Yes. Yeah, you true. ain't going to see that. All black in a black hole. They ain't gonna find me. I'm an asshole. I'm a rap. Why am I rapping oh, now? Oh no, that's a thing that happened. Oh no, shut up. <laughs> so, where's my fucking record deal? So they did ample searches for the initial area, but no trace of Cooper nor any of the equipment presumed to have left the aircraft with him was found. So they're checking the initial area, but like you said. You jump out, you have a parachute, you could go pretty far distance with that. Also, it was raining, it was pitch black. Um, you know, there's a lot of, it was going, the plane was going slow, it was at low altitude. Like, it's almost impossible to find out where he like actually ended up. 
So, shortly after the spring thaw in early 1972, teams of FBI agents aided by some 200 Army soldiers did a thorough search of the wooded area of Clark and Cowlitz counties for 18 days, including a submarine to search the 200-foot-deep Lake Merwin. You know Lake Merwin? Is that in Oregon? I think so. It's it's either in Washington or Oregon. I'm not 100% sure because he kind of jumped... On, like, the border. So people don't know yeah. if it's Oregon or Washington. It's like, both. International yeah. waters. Yeah. <laughs> so at around the same time of the search, though, two local women stumbled upon a skeleton in an abandoned structure in Clark County. Mm-hmm. It was... Wait, Clark County is – I know Clark, Clark County. What is in Clark County? Meth? Well, I mean, we already covered this. Meth is everywhere. That's true. It's in the walls. It's in the air around you. I'll tell you where it's not, Saturn. Uh, I mean, there might be a Clark County. There's a rock in those rocks. Oh, wait, there's a Clark County in Los Angeles. Are we in Clark County right now? Oh, my God. That parachute went far. <laughs> wow. Look at that. So, um, like I said, they found a skeleton. They have skeletons there. That's what they got. Yeah. Um, in an abandoned structure Bones. in Clark County. And it was later identified as the remains of a female teenager who had been abducted and murdered several weeks before, which is another crazy ass like, mm-hmm. case to probably go into. Ultimately, the search, though, um, arguably the most extensive and intensive in U.S. history, uncovered no significant material evidence relating to the hijacking. Did the- they ever figure out if there was like a as the crow flies like mileage that it that it went? Uh, like how far a parachute can go from like that area? I just mean like yeah, like did they have like a like a bar, like a big old bar I that they could have like scanned? I think that's what they did originally, but yeah. like I said, like this was also off course. So I don't know how sophisticated the you know the tracking devices were in the seventies. Yeah, but. I think they have, like, a general area. That's why a lot of treasure hunters are, like, looking mostly in Oregon. Yeah. I think it is mostly Oregon. I think. I mean, why wouldn't you want to spend time in Oregon? But also, if it, if he did land in Oregon, he could have gone, you know, anywhere if he actually mm-hmm. landed. So it's like, what are we even really looking for? Like, people yeah. are assuming that he died on the jump. And yeah. if he did, then maybe he'd be there. But who knows? So the only physical evidence that was ever found were a placard printed with instructions for lowering the air shaft, uh, the air stairs of a 727, and two bundles of money found by an eight-year-old Brian Ingram on the Columbian River, Columbia River. Yeah. Uh, after dividing the found money between Northwest Orient's insurer, so they got some of the money. The FBI got some of the money, and of little. Of course, they need more money. And little Brian Ingram got some of the money. <laughs> Only a couple known to blow do- it on candy. <laughs> only a couple known and dogs yo-yos. and drugs um, and yo-yos. <laughs> only a couple known dollars and more yo-yos remained in public circulation. Ingram later sold fifteen of his 
of his bills in auction in 2008. So he held on to him for a while. That's actually smart to be like, hey, these are the money I got from D.B. Cooper. Obviously, the, the story is way more legendary than like – or way yeah, more valuable than the money. It would be way cool itself. to have like, some, so like, a, like a bill that would be like, this is a part of the D.B. Cooper. Well, that's the thing too. They yeah. also – when they handed off the money, they also uh, kept track of all of the um, – Serial numbers? Yeah, exactly yeah. because they knew that if he used them anywhere, then they, they could trace them right back to him. Yeah. So, um, like I said, he sold 15 of the bills in auction in 2008 for about $37,000. Whoa. Yeah, I mean, it's only 15 bills. I, I think they're all 20s, too. He has for all 20s. I was going to say, uh, what type of bills were they? Yeah, so, I mean, just to have a D.B. Cooper dollar, I mean, 20, like, honestly, I wouldn't mind having one. He should have held on to him for a longer. Pretty, pretty he probably cool. got way more money. Yeah. So, to date, none of the... I mean, no one cares about D.B. Cooper anymore. Mm. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was just trying to say, dunk on you. Oh, yeah. fuck you, dude. I'm like, I don't know about that. I mean, it's still a pretty cool story. It's not yeah. that long ago. So to date, none of the 9,710 remaining bills have turned up anywhere in the world. Their serial numbers remain available online for public search, which is crazy to think about because if he did die or like – What's what happened with those volcano? Well, that's the thing. What happened with those two? Not the volcano. Oh, Saturn. Uh, with those two stacks of money, like, did he run off and like the bag opened? Did he try to bury the money? And those were like obviously those. It's like man, the, it's too heavy. I gotta lose these two stacks. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. the, the thing is, the kid was digging a fire pit, so it's like. Oh, so it was buried. It was, yeah, but like this was also years later. Yeah. So did like natural, like, you know what I mean? Like what's going on in the situation? Like, did he bury the money? Did he drop some of it? Did... I think it takes a significant amount of time for things to like become like in the earth. Exactly. That's why I'm kind of confused by the whole situation. You know, they excavated the whole area probably, you know, where they found the money and like they dug up everything. Oh yeah. No, they dug that bitch up. And you know, they didn't find anything, which is kind of crazy. So yeah. there's a lot of questions in that alone. So now I don't want to get into all the suspects of uh, the FBI reports or the internet claims uh, like who D.B. Cooper is because that's just too much information. Honestly, none of the evidence is even strong enough. But I will tell you a couple of facts about some possible details of the real D.B. Cooper. Because mm -hmm. if you go on the Wikipedia, they literally have like 15 people who are just like, these are our top 15. But they interviewed like hundreds of people who they thought it was. Yeah. And it's just like. All these people have like a little something and they kind of allude to being D.B. Cooper because it just makes them feel like better about themselves. And be like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I could be him. And it makes them feel like important and famous or whatever. But none of it's strong enough. It's always wild to think like growing up as a kid, like either anybody listening, because at this point it's like he could have been anywhere if he survived. It's always crazy to think like the one cool kid in elementary school with that really cool dad like. Bitch, that might have been D.B. Cooper. It might have been D.B. Cooper. You don't know. It's kind of weird. So um, some of the things that may point to who D.B. Cooper maybe was was that he was knowledgeable about aviation and flying techniques. Um, they believe that he was not knowledgeable about skydiving, though, like I said. Though. Uh, skydiving, though, like I said, because he didn't check the right parachute and it was like all... 
it was all like sewn up and stuff in like the wrong spots or something. It was just all fucked up. And they also said that he jumped when it was like the like it was so dangerous and risky to jump. It was pitch black, yeah. horrible weather conditions. That, Never like, tell me the odds. Yeah, they said, but he was also desperate. So like, who knows? Yeah. Um, agents theorized that Cooper took his alias. This is the most interesting. I thought you just said Asians. No, he didn't take any of those. <laughs> so um, agents theorized agents. that Cooper took his alias. From a popular Belgian comic book series of the 1970s featuring the fictional hero Dan Cooper, a Royal Canadian Air Force test pilot who took part in numerous heroic adventures including parachuting. Because the Dan Cooper comics were never translated into English Mm. nor imported to the U.S., they speculated that he may have possibly encountered them during a tour of duty in Europe or possibly that Cooper was in fact Canadian and found the comics in Canada where they were also sold. They noted his specific demand for negotiable American currency, uh, which is a phrase seldom used by American citizens, as well as uh, witnesses stating that Cooper had no distinguishable accent, making Canada most likely his country of origin. Yeah. So, so this is like makes sense. the meanest thing a Canadian has ever done, I think, at this point. Well, don't forget about Wolverine. Oh, he's mean. He's a mean man. But he, he means well. He's a mean man. So, he's good, though. Have he's you seen that hair? So, so on July 8, 2016, the FBI announced that it was suspending active investigation of the Cooper case citing a need to focus its investigative resources and manpower on issues of higher and more urgent priority. Local field officers will continue to accept any legitimate physical evidence related specifically to the parachutes or the ransom money that may emerge in the future. The 60-volume case file compiled over the 45-year course of the investigation will be preserved for historical purposes at FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., on the FBI's website, there is currently a 28-part packet full of evidence gathered over the years. All the evidence is open to the public to read. Although many people have claimed to be the real D.B. Cooper, only circumstantial evidence could ever be provided, leaving the real D.B. Cooper, whether dead or alive, to still remain a mystery to this day. How old would he be today if he was, like... What's the the guesstimate? Because they don't know. His, they this obviously is, don't know his actual. This is in the seventies. Age. He, yeah, this is in the seventies. He looked um, late twenties, early thirties. So he would be about close to seventy now. I'm okay. guessing. Is that right? Yeah, set, set, set almost eighty probably. Seventy yeah. to eighty, probably in that range. But yeah, that's why a lot of them are like uh, a lot of people. On, Donald Donald Trump. A lot of people, a lot of people on their deathbed were like, "I'm DB." Like a lot of people were like, "I'm DB Cooper." That's uh, gonna be I'm, my last words. Exactly. Well, let me finish this with this last little note I wrote. So I just have one word of advice for all you fame seekers out there: if in the end of your, if in the end you find yourself not fulfilling your lifelong dreams of fame and fortune, just remember in your final moments. Make sure to have little Kevin lean closer. 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 And with your last stale grand pepper breath, Mm. whisper to him, I'm D.B. Cooper and Bigfoot and Atlantis. You're adopted and die. While spraying pepper seeds in his face. (laughs) 
But I mean, that's the thing. Like, honestly, if I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to be like, I'm DB Cooper. But like, I'd also have to be 80 I'm the right real now. Slim Shady. <laughs> And then I stood up, and he went, Grandpa, you're not allowed to do that. Your knees don't work, and then my knees shatter. And a bunch of little white kids with bleached <laughs> hair run in with tall tees. And then Dr. Dre goes, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the longest episode we've ever made. Anyway, uh, I'm done with D.B. Cooper. I'm just glad I got that out of my system now. Yeah. It's a very interesting story. There's so much fucking information. I couldn't yeah. cover it all. There's so many details, and it's like one of the most fascinating, like, whodunits, and people just really love to dive deep into it. So yeah. if you want to go check it out, you're you could probably find a little bit more information online and there's article that says we found the real db cooper and then you read it and they go he would joke about being db cooper i'm like that's not evidence but like, yeah they're all dying right now the people who are like accused so like they're trying to get like whatever they can out of them and that would be pretty anybody. awesome if someone like passed away and like had legitimate evidence being like if they had the money yeah like something like that yeah that would be fucking be pretty crazy. wild so After I, all this time, at least one of the bills that wasn't found, you know, like maybe yeah. he, maybe he sold all the rest of them and got like the you know to like some black market thing and they washed the bills or something. But like yeah. if he had one to prove it, fuck, that'd be cool. That's one thing. It's like I know this happened like where I'm from, but there's like a if he survived, there's like a zero percent chance he would still be in that area. You no, know? yeah, he wouldn't. A lot of people think that he died like jumping out of the plane, but like there's still no skeleton. Unless, he got, like, he got zapped by lightning in the air and just disintegrated. <laughs> Unless like uh, like animals drug his body somewhere else and ate his bones. and then We all know foxes love $20 bills. They, they ate his bones and they opened up a portal of Saturn and mm-hmm. they fucking yeeted him right in there. Them, them rocks are just a bunch of bears and foxes. Everybody says bulls. that <laughs> the rings of Saturn is really just a big old boneyard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell well, that to your, to your astronomy <laughs> professor. So I heard that Ring Center just a big boneyard. <laughs> D.B. Cooper? No. I, I really hope that we don't have any listeners that are in that position to <laughs> raise that against a teacher. But <laughs> I got to say, we, uh, we've gotten this far without having to stop once or edit anything. And we are right now at an hour. Oh, shit. <laughs> so we're starting the second story, right? Oh, meow. No. This is raw. You guys are listening to this raw podcast. We should have filmed this one. We don't edit shit. So uh, today I'm going to talk a little bit about Brugs. Are you really? No. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, please. We have to edit a lot of this out now. It's all Brug talk. <laughs> what was our quote? Br- what was our quote? Brug Brugs, talk made, Brugs made, made me handsome. Coffee, coffee made me fast. fast. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, today I'm going to talk about a uh, a city in Maryland, and uh, this city led me on quite a goose chase trying to find information on this fairly forgotten story in time. Uh, this story is about Ellicott City. Uh, what? Ellicott? Ellicott. I've never heard of this. Yeah, so uh, I know you haven't heard of this, because this shit was fucking hard to write about, <laughs> uh, but I got one good lead and I had to run with it. So the city of Ellicott uh, sits outside of uh, Baltimore. Okay. So it's close to a big city. The Wire. Oh, yeah. And um, it, it's, it's in the countryside, and uh, it homes the population of 65,000 people today. And this city is home to the oldest surviving train station in the country. Whoa. Wait, what? Yeah. That's weird because, like... Obviously, you would think that it would be like in New York. 
Berserk. Or... Well, that's because they've all been either destroyed. Oh, I see. I see. So I this see. is the oldest surviving. Surviving. Train station. Surviving. Yeah. So it's not the oldest ever, but it's the only. This the oldest one, like that exists. Okay. And uh, so you can only assume with something of that history, a lot of things have taken place there. Ellicott's, like, like sex? A lot of sex. Um, you know, there's 65,000 people. I can I can guarantee they're not all... Uh, you guys haven't lived until you had sex at a train station. When, you, when that caboose comes up. No, you shut your mouth. <laughs> you've, had your, you've had your turn. I'm so wacky. So uh, Ellicott City is also known to many as Old Ellicott or the Historic Ellicott City. Okay. Now, it's commonly known with a lengthy... Li- with a lengthy history, like all old towns, um, that they usually come with some baggage of some dark, spooky stuff. I feel like it's not a city unless you got some dark stuff brewing underneath the surface. And uh, Ellicott City isn't short of any of them spooky stuff. And uh, today we're going to focus on the legend of one family who was suspected of abducting children in the woods surrounding the city boundaries. What? Oh, yeah. Oh. Snatching the children. No. Slender man? Maybe worse. Oh, shoot. So, in the early 1800s, uh, Ellicott City... Not 1800s. The eight, the 18s. Wait, what? 1800s. Just like 18? Like, the next year was 19? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, 19 now. Crazy. Only 18 years and we built this old train. <laughs> What's a train? It don't, it don't go nowhere. <laughs> Look at us. I'm making up this language as I go. It's just kind of a, a dead mammoth. <laughs> but so one by one, uh, children started to disappear without any trace of where they could have gone. Soon, dozens of the uh, city's young were gone with no explanation. But the city had their suspicions directed at one family. And uh, the family was... Um, it, it was one of the Edwin Gravelay. Mm. His graves in his last name. Yeah, Gravelay. <laughs> and uh, so Edwin Gravelay was the youngest son of this outcasted family in the city. And uh, many believed the boy was to blame because he was typically the last person seen with the kids that went missing. He's like, I'm just popular. Why are you coming after me? I got a lot of friends. I'm so cool. When they meet me, they just leave town. He's like, I got a lot of friends. I like basketball. I like killing small rodents and and killing people. Oh, wait. I like to piss my bed and set fires. (laughs) I also like to create black holes and yeet them right through there. You know the Saturn trees are made of kids. They don't come back with no explanation. (laughs) Honestly, you're you're getting to the... Honestly, D.B. Cooper might have landed... He might have been a Gravelay. Yes. So the Gravelay family uh, were well known in Ellicott City, but it wasn't for a good reason. The family was considered outcast and looked down upon by the rest of the city. Uh, many people disliked the Gravelay family because they were known for being just like very strange people and had constant complaints that would be voiced for, uh, for loud and worrisome sounds that would come from the family's home late at night. Oh, like all of a sudden they would hear like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. And they're like, that's outcast. Don't listen to them. That's fucking outcast. These are just outcasts, <laughs> not outcast with a K. <laughs> so for whatever reason they had, the authorities would refuse to listen to the people of the city 
and uh, they no matter how many times they're like we think they're responsible, they just wouldn't they wouldn't do anything about it. I mean, what kind of what kind of strange noises are we talking about here? We got some nosy neighbors or some loud motherfuckers. I think there's a lot of chains rattling, some chainsaws, <laughs> some some Fergie some music, chains, some chains, a lot of chains, a lot of chains and Fergie and chain smokers. <laughs> they're like, God, that music fucking sucks. And, Turn it off. And Chain Gang by by Sam Cooke that was playing. Don't you know. don't know that song. I don't okay. know that one. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, they, they complained a lot, and uh, they they told the authorities that they believed that they were responsible for the growing number of missing children. But the authorities ignored all of that, and so they took it into their own hands. Oh, fuck. They, they going to do a Freddy Krueger thing right now? Where all the townspeople get together and throw a Molotov through his window? Uh, basically. Oh, really? So one night, a large mob of the missing children's family and supporters decided to raid the Gravelay uh, mill. So it was a mill, oh. which makes it a little sketchy. Yeah, mills aren't great. You don't yeah. want to hear screaming coming from a mill. So they went and searched for any evidence or foul play um, with you know clues of their to find their missing children. But uh, much like the children themselves, the family was gone without a trace. Oh. The mill was completely empty, and people said it appeared that no one had ever even lived there to begin with. What? Yes. Very strange. What the fuck? Just no, just nothing. Like black hole? Might have nothing? Been a black hole. You, they say if you look close enough that ring of sand, you'll see a whole mill floating around. I was about to say, like... Some say that you open up the mill, and they, they wouldn't even no light in there because the black hole ate up all that light. It was, just, it was pitch black. <laughs> Vindies. <laughs> uh, so there are many beliefs of what happened here. Some people think the family was innocent and was tired of the constant harassment and judgment, so they packed everything up and ran out of town to start a new life. Wait, oh, oh, that's what they believed happened to them. Well, there's many beliefs. That's one of them. Okay. So then there are people who stayed true to their accusations, saying that the family was abducting children. Uh, no one has the proof of where the children went after that. They could have been murdered and disposed of, I guess, properly would be the term, but like, it's, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a... There's a dark prop, way. Of, there's a proper way to a do proper it. way to make it seem like they never existed, kind of thing. Um, and uh, they could have been doing that. They could have uh, been eating them. They could <laughs> Bones have been and all. They could have been sold. Uh, they could have been taken with the family when they left town to hide. Okay. Kind of like taken into their family, and you know. You know what I thought was interesting when you first brought up that every single person was seen with the son. Yeah. I thought originally that the son was murdering them and, like, getting rid of the bodies, but he was a lure. He was a trusting figure, mm-hmm. like we see with some other serial killers, like the Candyman. Uh, yeah. Fuck, I can't remember his name, but, like, he would, they would lure him back. You know what I mean? So well, he was doing that. There's another theory. Oh. There have been connections drawn without confirmation that the stories could be connected to the famous film and book, it some people think that it was possible that there was a much darker evil force that was able to leave no trace hidden within the walls of the grave lay mill something imitating a family in plain sight oh okay so something that could be pretending to be a little boy pretending to be each family member exactly and uh you know, 
he, whatever it was tried to imitate human life, but obviously wasn't good enough because it still stood out and bothered people. Like people oh. just didn't like them. Things were unsettling about them. Interesting. And okay. so could it be possible that there was an unworldly force using children for consumption? Especially if like they opened up the mill and there was nothing just in nothing. there. That would make sense to, I don't know if people have seen in the mill before, but like maybe there's some kind of Hole. supernatural. No, no, but there's some kind of supernatural thing where it can make you see certain things. Like you said, like it could take the shape of like a shape of like a human. Yeah. Maybe it could also like make it look like the barn is full with like, um, animals or like tools mm-hmm. and then once it disappears there's actually nothing in there like an illusion or something like yeah. that you know so, mind games yeah so the family disappeared and for a while you know kids stopped disappearing okay and over time the city moved on and people started to forget about the mysterious family and the children who vanished until 1869 when was the original year um, 18s. The, yeah, there. They. It was so old that there's like it's. It, oh, there's okay. non. There's like not that much information about oh, okay. it. But in 1869, seven children disappeared in one week. So that's you know a kid a day. Damn. The older folk of the city immediately feared that the Gravely family was back, and didn't go as far as they thought. So maybe they didn't jump town. Maybe they're still kind of hanging out in the woods. And they were hungry again. Yeah. And so they didn't know who to blame or what to blame. But strangely enough, it ended here. And people in the city would eventually blame troubled soldiers from the Civil War for the missing children. What does that mean? So, like, people that came back from the war, like, very distraught, were maybe, like, snatching up kids. Oh, because they're just fucking crazy? Yeah. That kind of talks about... We had that story way long ago about the, mm-hmm. the soldier that, like... They found him like eating the kids in like the, yeah. the cave or whatever. I think yeah. it was like a Tales from the Camp or like, yeah. I don't remember, but that was, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but at the end of the day, nobody was ever convicted for the crimes. So they just kind of suspected it could have been like distraught soldiers, but they never actually had a distraught soldier to, you know. So it was, it was all just at. like guessing at this point. Yeah. You know? Like they could, they didn't have any hard evidence. Yeah. Also, it was the War of the Weird episode, I remember. That's what okay. it was. Yeah. Yeah. So as time went on, the common knowledge of the Gravelay family would fade and people had forgotten them for the most part. But the strange part is children would continue to disappear over the years, once in 1910 and again in 1969. Mm. So it is possible that the first, the first episode was 1810 so and then 1869 and then 1869 and then again in 1910 and then again in 1969. Wow. And uh, there were a high number of children who went missing in the area with absolutely no resolution and no trace, no answers. And only children. Yeah. And uh, people just kind of said, oh, they're just simple runaways. That was the only thing. They, they couldn't come up with anything else. Seven kids in a week is way too much. Yeah. That's not runaway shit. No. So, in today's information-filled society, the Gravely family has kind of been reborn, and the legend continues to grow, because now people have a way to, you know, communicate it more and, you know, share their stories. Yeah. And uh, many people believe that the family still lives in the woods surrounding the city, um, and it's a, a common tall tale that the locals tell their children now to warn them not to stray too far from home. Who would tell their kids that? 
Oh, some people are desperate to get those little shits in line. I guess so, but like Jesus Christ, like then you're the one who has to wake up every hour and tell them that the that the gravelets aren't going to eat them to Saturn. Yeah, they might. Jupiter, Saturn. Where do we say Saturn? Saturn want the ring. <laughs> Jupiter got no ring. <laughs> Nobody wants to Wait, marry Jupiter. You keep, you keep saying ring, but um, it's a boneyard. It's a boneyard. <laughs> it's just a boneyard. A bunch of kids in DB Cooper. <laughs> So some people think that it's a buttload of money. <laughs> you know, some people would say it's a silly cautionary tale. But um, as of a recent discovery, a group of archaeologists who had been working in the woods surrounding the city of Ellicott found some evidence that could link the missing children. Whoa, okay. So this evidence would be some documents mentioning a disagreement of land ownership between Mr. Ellicott who that's the city that's what the city who the city was named after mm-hmm. and a man who was named Mr. Gravel oh so this could have been I mean obviously he found this letter in the woods yeah when you say archaeologist you don't think of finding letters well I mean they probably just dug up like a book or something yeah that's crazy and uh so now it comes to it saying, so you've got the, the Mr. Gravel, and then there's the Grave Lay, which Grave Lay is just an I-G-H at the end of Gravel or whatever. It could have been another writing that. of it, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so people think maybe it was some sort of cult ran by Mr. Grave, Gravel. Uh, could have been simply been just a name change that they added the extra letters. Mm. Or could have there been a, a cult who had awoken an evil that still feeds off the youth of Ellicott City to this day. We may never know, but to play it safe, I'd advise you keep your children far from these woods. But it just might end up in space, surrounded by the cold, oxygenless. Or end up in a blockbuster film by Stephen King. Mm. That's crazy, though. Yeah. It, the thing that gets me the most is the the year gap. You know, maybe kids disappeared in between then, but like... The slew of like high number disappearances. Yeah, it just seems like way too coincidental. Yeah, and what, not knowing the first few dates when it happened, and then, but seeing like that two out of four of the dates are like a hundred years in between each other. Yeah. Makes it like kind of more suspicious, almost like because I mean the the book it it's every thirty thirty seven years, years. yes yeah, it's like a, there's a number that it happens yeah I mean and regardless of that like these kids are going missing and you said seven in a week yeah that's a lot somebody's taking them yeah like regardless of anything if it's you know uh it wasn't seven in one day it wasn't seven friends going hey let's get out of here it was seven in a week yeah and like regardless of anything it's like it's probably a serial killer or a some kind of a kidnapper of some sort. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? Like, regardless if it's a monster or if it's a person, like, it's terrifying. Yeah, and there's just absolutely no evidence. God. <laughs> Jesus. So when's the... When was the last one? 1910? Yeah, I guess 2010. I don't know. We have to check those 50s records. Yep. See, that's when they got spooked off, you know? Yeah, they got... People are catching on with the, the Instagram posts. He knew... It knew the Instagram was going to take them down. 
All these damn folks, damn Steve Jobs. We gotta find a way to get to California and get them Steve Jobs, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe they did. Them steamy jobs. Maybe they did. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> okay, well, thank you guys for tuning in. This is a long episode. We're, we apologize for that. But if I you don't. Like, if you like more content, then congrats. You got some more content. Um, if you guys want any of the hyperlinks, go to campstrange.com. If you guys want any merch, go to campstrange.com. If you guys want to follow us on Instagram, just go to campstrangepodcast at Instagram. And, uh, oh, also rate, review, subscribe if you can. We like it if you do that. If Please do that. If you can't, that's okay, but we'd really love it if you did. Um, and if you don't, we're going to eat you through a black hole to Saturn. And stop making episodes. <laughs> um, I think that kind of covers, we love telling you these stories. So yes, thank you for that, guys. We, we really appreciate you guys, all your listeners and stuff, and thank you. Um, but, David, what else do we have here? We've got a po- potato pepper. It's just a pepper that's – it's it's there's no hollow part. It's thick like a potato. We have a tiny man that can run on walls. <laughs> But just walls, just walls. He's basically a Roomba that cleans your walls. So you can't. He can't touch the roof, and he can't touch the the standing part. What's it called? The carpet, the wood, the hardwood. He's just wall guy. Hey, he didn't touch that. The floor is lava for this little man. <laughs> I got a river full of potassium. Oh, I, just, I wasn't expecting you to go into that. Stack. Like, okay, uh, <laughs> we have a hard spaghetti. And you, you, you put it in your mouth and you pretend you're a farmhand and you go, hey, you're making spaghetti in the kitchen. And mom goes, but stop putting that spaghetti in your mouth. Put that back in the pot. You ever do that? Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> I would like to throw it against the wall to see if it's ready. Oh, that's good. If it sticks. Yeah, that's a yeah, good one. That's yeah, a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got uh, eyebrow replacements. If your eyebrow gets cinched off while you're cooking that turkey. We have... All of Jeff Dunham's stand-ups routines. And but you but ha- it's backwards? But you have to watch them. That's, that's bad enough. <laughs> he has a racist pepper. We, a grand pepper. I've, we've got a big old janitor key ring full of keys. They're not going to open anything, but it makes it look real important. We we got um, we got a, a toilet that's clogged at your work, and now you're just too scared to, like, walk out of the bathroom because you they're gonna know you clogged it so you gotta be like walk you gotta walk out and then like tell everyone in the office like somebody else clogged the toilet and then like kevin in accounting goes that looks like your shit and you go how do you know what my shit looks like because he dropped the chili (laughs) that kevin in accounting fucker (laughs) what anyway the office oh he dropped the chili oh that is kevin in accounting the office seeps into my subconscious. It really ever. does. Oh. We got one big old spike. Okay, that's it. <laughs> you can do whatever you want with it. it. That's for you to enjoy. We're done. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We love telling you the stories, and we love it when you listen. Um, David, do you have anything else to say? Don't forget to sharpen that big old spike of ours. <laughs> it's our spike. It's our spike, but it can be yours for two ninety nine. <laughs> and also, don't forget to stay strange. <laughs>